the presentation of anarchism, anarchism. as social philosophy which aims at the emancipation, economic, social, political, and spiritual of the human race. The emancipation. Anarchist Essays is brought to you by Loughborough University's Anarchism Research Group. For more information on the ARG, see the link in the show notes or follow us on Twitter at ARGLBORO. The Anarchist Critique of Capitalism, Derek Shannon. Anarchists have a long and proud history opposing capitalism. One would be hard-pressed to make the case that anarchism could exist without an opposition to capitalism as foundational to it, as a practice, an ethic, and or a theory developed in opposition to hierarchical society, anarchism is fundamentally contravened by the basic elements of capitalism, private ownership protected by states, and the wage relation, or essentially being able to rent another person and extract value from her labor. In his pamphlet, The Capitalist System, the Russian anarchist Mikhail Bakunin points out that workers must sell our labor for life's necessities, as we enter into waged and salaried relations in order to address those needs accordingly, liberty is quickly traded for workplace hierarchies and social management. A basic function of capitalism is to create and enforce this hierarchical authoritarian arrangement of property through the organized violence of the state which exists alongside and within other relations of social inequality and ruling. Capitalism is then necessarily incompatible with anarchism because of its thick anti-authoritarianism. One might describe capitalism from an anarchist perspective in terms of the following broad features. Wage labor and exploitation, private property, markets, class society, and states. Wage labor is one of the basic constituent parts of capitalism. In order to access the social product, all of those socially produced things we need access to in order to survive and thrive, workers must rent ourselves out for a wage or salary. The value produced under capitalism by workers, minus whatever wage the capitalist pays, is then expropriated by capitalists in the form of surplus value. This process is exploitation. Not only do anarchists oppose wage labor and exploitation on the grounds that they are unfair, But these things are also against the material interests of working people and create a social relation of domination between the boss and the worker. Many anarchists argue that the wage-labor relation is the defining aspect of capitalism. This social relation, exploitation, is made possible by private property. Typically, anarchists define private property as property that allows for long-term absentee ownership, This is often juxtaposed with what is referred to as personal property or possessions, or forms of ownership that are defined by occupancy and use. Now, this leaves plenty of room for disagreement about how we draw lines around use and occupancy, but it also visibilizes a social relation between persons and things that emerge from the historical context of the processes of accumulation that led to the development of capitalism. The notion that one can own a home, or better yet, a workplace, across the ocean, perhaps on another continent, without ever having to see it, occupy it, or use it, while charging rents or expropriating the value produced by workers within that location, is not some eternal phenomenon. It is specific to capitalism and its development. 
Alexander Berkman posited that this historical development of the notion of private property robbed workers of things they collectively created when he said, quote, Though the workers as a class have built the factories, a slice of their daily labor is taken from them for the privilege of using those factories. That's the landlord's profit. Though the workers have made the tools and the machinery, another slice of their daily labor is taken from them for the privilege of using those tools and machinery. That's the manufacturer's profit. Though the workers built the railroads and are running them, another slice of their daily labor is taken from them for the transportation of the goods they make. That's the railroad's profit. And so on, including the banker who lends the manufacturer other people's money, the wholesaler, the jobber, and other middlemen, all of whom get their slice of the workers' toil." Unquote. Another element of capitalist society as we know it is market relations. Generally, and likely because in dominant narratives, Marxian economics are juxtaposed with capitalist models, we are told that for allocation, we have a choice between central planning and markets. Anarchists, however, have sometimes argued for decentralized forms of planning, and some have suggested that we might have anti-capitalist, socialist markets. This was a part of what was originally proposed by the French mutualists, who saw strategic advantages in cooperative enterprises, a market socialism in which self-managed worker-owned firms would exchange in a market regulated by an agro-industrial federation on the basis of reciprocity. This collective worker ownership would potentially resolve the problem of the appropriation of surplus value, allowing worker-owned firms access to the full product of their labors. Anarchists point out that these economic arrangements lead to the development of class society. While we are often told that we are all equals under the law or that we all have equal power through voting, Anarchists point out that these claims, which serve to justify and naturalize capitalist society, are absurd. Rather, we do not live in a society of equals. We live in a society of classes with different material interests. The ruling class in capitalist society has an interest in maintaining capitalism, and workers have an interest in ending our exploitation. Many, perhaps most, anarchists argue for a two-class analysis. That is, the world is accordingly split between the vast majority of us, working-class people who must sell our labor, and ruling-class people, the elite owners and their politicians and other managers. Arguably, however, not everyone fits neatly into these broad categories, and some anti-capitalists, anarchists included, argue for the existence of a third class. Some refer to this as the middle class, the coordinator class, the techno-managerial class, and so on. This is typically used to highlight the existence of people with a high degree of social power, such as high-paid lawyers, tenured professors at elite institutions, and so on. This class is sometimes conceived as having their own sets of material interests in opposition to the ruling class and the working class, and sometimes conceived as having similar interests as workers but being placed above them in capitalist society due to their social power. We might juxtapose this anarchist class analysis with sociological analyses of class that often split society into a lower class, working class, lower middle class, upper middle class, upper class. These popular sociological analyses are typically rooted in a Weberian analysis of power, and one can certainly point to structural advantages that some workers have over others, cultural differences and the like. However, in terms of ruling and owning society, this kind of broad-range sociological analysis of class can serve to mystify more than explain. 
even a better paid worker with more prestige than their counterparts, in some cases, even in the same workplace, is still exploited and controlled by his boss at the end of the day. Finally, libertarians point out that the social relations in capitalist society are protected and maintained by states. As Eric Omalatesta notes, we are taught that the state is, quote, the representative of the general interest. It is the expression of the rights of all, construed as a limit upon the rights of each. Indeed, states are moral, endowed with certain attributes of reason, justice, unquote. Anarchists point out that actually the state protects property relations, allowing for the existence of private property. A workplace can be owned and maintained, and the workers exploited only through the organization of violence to stop them from simply taking the workplace and running it themselves. While in contemporary capitalism, ownership has become more convoluted and diffused throughout society than during Malatesta's time, it is still the state and its organized, legitimated violence that allows for the continued existence of private property. This is an attempt to break down capitalism to its basic constituent elements, wage labor and exploitation, private property, markets, class society, and states. But this short descriptive analysis can admittedly miss a lot. One might consider, for example, value production as central to capitalism, money or some other circulating medium of exchange, pricing mechanisms, and other possible essentials. Examining its fundamental constitution is important because capitalism is a resilient system, often changing forms in order to co-opt struggles against it. In what is perhaps one of its most insidious characteristics, capital's drive for accumulation has at times meant creating commodities out of rebellion, generating release valves for struggles against its inexorable search for growth and profit and its commodification of human life and desire. Understanding these constitutive elements, then, is an absolute necessity for those who wish to undo capitalism. If capitalism is authoritarian, exploitative, if it robs the majority of the fruits of their labor, allows a minority to rule, and distorts social life, surrendering desire to the need for capital accumulation, this raises the question of why humans continue to reproduce it. In a more fundamental sense, it raises what might be the most important question in social science, perhaps even social life. Why do people obey? In large part, capitalism reproduces itself through the participation of people in its social relations, like any institutional arrangement. Anarchists can often be found advocating for mass refusals and the withdrawal of our participation in the social reproduction, sometimes in the form of general strikes, sometimes, as in the case of the illegalists, in the form of direct expropriations, sometimes in the form of occupations and the taking of space, and still other times in advocating for creating alternatives to capitalist relations in the here and now. But the advocacy of these kinds of practices highlights the question, if it is in our interest to abolish capitalism, why and how is capitalism continually reproduced in our social lives, and why do we not abolish those social relations and begin writing a new future today? Some of the possible answers to that question are contained within popular understandings of economics. Capitalism is justified by ideological assumptions about so-called human nature, what is pragmatic, or by appeals to the wonders of democracy. Given that mass media are either owned and operated by capitalists of the state, our popular forms of entertainment are most often commodities produced under and by capital, our compulsory educational systems are run by the state, and so on, it might not be a surprise just how popular these kinds of ideological assumptions are. 
For example, capitalism is often justified by a belief that it is human nature to be greedy, to want to accumulate wealth at the expense of others, to desire power over other people and the like. Yet the vast majority of human social relations were spent in hunter-gatherer societies without any concept of private property and collectivities that based their lives on personal possessions and forms of common social resources, nothing that could properly be called private property. Given that long history, how could it be human nature to want to dominate, to own, and to compete for resources? This belief has been under sustained critique by anarchists, prompting Emma Goldman to declare, quote, Poor human nature, what horrible crimes have been committed in thy name. The greater the mental charlatan, the more definite his insistence on the wickedness and weaknesses of human nature. Yet how can anyone speak of it today with every soul in a prison, with every heart fettered, wounded, and maimed? Unquote. Her larger point was that those things that we refer to as human nature are our projections of our dominant institutions into our very selves. Capitalism is not some naturally occurring system. Indeed, it is quite new. It is a system that is constructed and one that can be dispensed with. Similarly, economists often object to anarchist alternatives to capitalism as utopian in the pejorative sense of the term, or not being pragmatic. They argue instead that alternatives to capitalism would never work. This ignores human experiences and experiments outside of capitalist relations that exist within capitalist society itself or in revolutionary situations. But more egregiously, it assumes that capitalism, even by its own ideological standards, is a system that works. Given massive poverty, privation, and hunger, the routine destruction of land bases and the despoiling of the natural environment, massive worldwide wars, periodic crises such as the 2008 financial collapse, given that a tiny elite owns massive amounts of resources, multiple homes, dozens of luxury cars, servants, and coteries, etc., while most of us struggle to survive, can we really say this is a system that works? It is also offered that under democracy, checks and balances are present in the form of state regulation of the economy that can address some of the failures of capitalism. But even a cursory look at recent history should demonstrate how absurd these deeply held beliefs about statist democracy are. Perhaps the best examples of their absurdity are when leftist governments are voted into power. In much of Europe, we have a rather long history of so-called socialist parties legislating regulatory mechanisms into the economy in order to make a kinder and gentler capitalism. And the age of austerity demonstrates just how lasting those reforms and regulations are. States can dismantle any reform or regulation they set in place at any moment. When the capacity for capital accumulation is in question, even erstwhile socialist parties Use the capitalist state to bring workers to heal. So what do we want? A world riven by exploiters and exploited, a society of rulers and ruled, managers and managed, an anti-community where a tiny minority with vast, unimaginable amounts of wealth take vacation trips to outer space like some roving group of comic book villains while the rest of us work to produce their privileges, or a world of free and equal people where we produce for the needs of humanity instead of the accumulation of capital for a few. Contrary to popular belief, the choice really is ours. Thank you for listening. 
help others find Anarchist Essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.